Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And my offering message today, I usually give a one-minute offering message. But I'm dedicating the message today to the stewardship of our lives. We haven't said much about money and giving since March. March closed our Finishing Strong. Would you believe people are still giving the Finishing Strong? It's, it's amazing. And God is still blessing. But thank you for your gifts. While you're turning to 2 Corinthians 9, you can go to TLCKCMO. You can use the PushPay app. You can leave your offering. There's an offering slot right out the double doors to the right in the wall. It will be secure there. Thank you for your faithful giving, your tithing, his hour, finishing strong. God bless you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. I'm reading from the NLT because sometimes we become so familiar with the King James or the New King James that it becomes old hat. But this is sort of an interesting translation. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Billy Cole said it like this. You can't run a combine down a beach and expect to get a harvest. But the one who plants generously, everybody say generously, will get a generous crop. Yeah. You must each decide. Turn to somebody and say, you have to decide. You have to decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Everybody smile. See, that didn't hurt a thing. And then he said in verse 8, When you give cheerfully, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Why will you have some left over? To share. So you can give again. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Isn't that amazing? God blesses you so he can harvest generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who have need, they will thank God. From this passage, I would like to inspire you, equip you, challenge you. I hope bless you with the word I would like to entitle, A Culture of Generosity. A Culture of Generosity. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian of the past generation, said, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So let's play word association. I'll say a word and then you think of something. Ready? God. Okay, I'm going to try that one more time. I'm going to say a word. 
word association, then whatever comes to your mind, I want you to speak it out. Ready? God. There it is. Everybody had an idea. Everybody had an association. It really is true that the most important thought of our mind, Daniel Webster said it this way, the most important thought of any mind is our individual responsibility to God. What you think about God has not only a lot, but it has everything to do with how you live your life. So what is the first thought that comes to your mind when you think about God? When we just played that little game there, I hope nobody said wrath, judgment, hell, fire, and brimstone. We need to have a Bible study if that's what you thought about. Did somebody think about love? The Bible says that. God is love. Did anybody think about forgiveness? Did anybody get a mental image of Jesus laying down his life for us on the cross? Salvation, grace, goodness. So while you're trying to figure out in one word what you think about God, listen to what the scripture says God thinks about you. Now let's flip it. What is What is God thinking about? Yeah, I heard somebody say, oh, Lord. What is God thinking about? What's the one word that comes to God's mind when he thinks about you? You know what I'd like for him to think about when he thinks about me? I'd like for him to think about generous. Giving. You know, faithfulness. Huh? Listen to what God thinks about you in Genesis. He is the Lord, your provider. In Exodus, he is your I am always there. In Numbers, he is your sacrificial lamb. In Deuteronomy, he is the defeater of your enemies. Aren't you glad that we know these things about God? In Ruth, he is your kinsman redeemer. In Job, he's bragging about you behind your back. In Psalms, he is the mercy and goodness that is following you all the days of your life. I'll come back to that in a minute. In Proverbs, he's the friend who stays closer even than a brother. In Isaiah, he is the healer of all your diseases. In Jeremiah, his kindness is unending. In Song of Solomon, his banner over you is love. In Zephaniah, he is rejoicing and singing over you. And you probably can't hear him, but he is right now. In Malachi, he is rebuking the devourer in your life. And that's just what he thinks about you in the Old Testament. Wait till we get to the really good stuff. In the New Testament. And I can tell you from 56 years of walking with God since I was born again of the water and the spirit. I can tell you that God is good. God is faithful. God is just. God is generous. And he is a blessing God. He is a blessing God. God's default setting is to bless you. You believe that? God's default blessing, his nature, his default setting is to bless you. His attitude is toward you, to bless you, to provide for you. His desire, his longing, his purpose, the reason he exists is to bless, to heal, to deliver, to strengthen, to provide. He wants to bless you. He loves to bless you. He enjoys giving out his blessings. In fact, he's constantly on the lookout for people to bless. 
God wants to bless you. In fact, you're already blessed. Whether you realize it or not. In verse 10, Paul said, God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer. God provided the seed. You can't even give God anything that he didn't give to you. You're already blessed. Johnny James said, This morning, I woke up in God's bed, wearing God's pajamas, put my 12 and a half triple E's in God's slippers, went downstairs and made some toast in God's toaster and drank God's coffee. Then I went back up God's stairs and changed into God's suit, went back down God's stairs, got in God's car, backed out God's driveway, and headed to the house of God. Everything's God's. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You can't give him anything he didn't already give to you. <laughs> wow. God is rich. He's extravagant. He's generous. When I said God, did anybody say generous? The lightning bolts are the arrows from his quiver. The clouds are the dust from his chariot wheels. The oceans are his aquariums. He didn't just make one flower, but he made 400,000 species of flowers. He didn't make just one fish. He made 33,000 species of fish. He didn't make just one shark. That would be enough, but there's 400 species of sharks and 20,000 species of trees and 900,000 species of bugs and insects. And he could have just made one. That would have been all right. And then there are 37 species of felines and 36 species of canines and 1,000 species, paleontologists and archaeologists say, of dinosaurs. And not just one star, but 200 billion stars and our galaxy alone and not just one galaxy, but two trillion galaxies. Not just one nation did he create, but in our world today, there are 7,151 language groups. God is not cheap. God is not stingy. God is not frugal. But God is rich and he is generous and he is extravagant. But you know what? He just made one of you. So be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And his default setting is that he wants to bless you. I wish you would believe that. I wish you'd believe that, that God wants to. He wants to. He's looking for a reason. And the key is us. We are the release. He's already been generous. He's already been good. But if you want to go to the next level to experience God's blessings and favor and generosity, we must be faithful with whatever it is that God has placed into our control, that God has placed into our hands. Theologically speaking, we talk about original sin. But let me tell you what was before original sin was original blessing. Blessing is what God does. Blessing is who he is. And blessing is how God rolls. If you don't understand that God is a blessing God, then your default setting will be to doubt God's goodness. If you ever begin to second guess the goodness of God, you will forfeit blessings in your life. Even in his misery, Job cried out, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even in his pain, bearing his children, ten caskets laid out in one funeral service and scraping boils from his skin and his wife does not support him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? You did pay up the life insurance, didn't you? And, and, 
and all of these things are against him. But Job refused to not believe in the goodness of God. He refused to believe that God was not good and that he was not generous and that he was not merciful. And I'm so glad God that Job did not give up on God because when it was all said and done, the Bible said that he was blessed with twice as much as he started. It took a lot of pain. It took a lot of trust. It took a lot of confidence. But I'm so glad the last chapter of Job's life was not a disaster. Come on, somebody just need to have a revival of your faith in God and in the goodness of God. Can I tell you that every test that the child of God goes through is boils down to one thing. Every test, it boils down to trust. Do you trust him? If it's a financial test, the Lord wants to know if you trust him. If it's a medical, like Pastor Nathan said today, you might have got a bad report and there are members of our congregation that are suffering to be sure, but I'm going to tell you that God is still faithful and every challenge, every medical challenge, every financial challenge, every spiritual challenge, every family test, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. Don't ever doubt that God is good. Don't ever doubt that God is generous. Don't ever doubt that God is faithful. Don't ever doubt. If you can't trust God, then who can you trust in this world? There is so much incorrect information about God in the pop culture. Satan hasn't learned a new trick in 6,000 years. And he keeps using the same old tricks because they keep working. His trick on Eve was to get her to believe the lie that God didn't love her. God wasn't for her. God did not have her best interest at heart. Even though God had said, you can have all these trees. He, if he really loved you, he would say, you can have that one over there too. He got her to believe that God was not fair, that he was withholding blessings, that there was some revelation and some opportunity she deserved that was just beyond her reach. Satan's lies were the basis for her disobedience and Adam with her. It's the same old thing. Let me tell you something. If you don't feel blessed today, that's not from God. If you don't feel like God has blessed you, that is not from God. That is a lie from Satan. Amen. Amen. I know, Pete, listen, I've been to third world countries. Some of you have been to third world countries. Those of you that have served in the military, we live like kings. I don't care who you are. I don't care what car you've got in the parking lot or if you begged or borrowed or Ubered a ride to church. The car that you rode in today, the place where you live, no matter how humble it is, and we say, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. You better believe it. We live like kings. The average third world person subsists on an annual income of $1,500. We are blessed in this nation. I'm going to tell you why. Because we started out right. We started with the right God. And we're still living in the overflow of the blessings of God in this country. Praise God. We're still living in the overflow. Don't ever feel that you're not blessed. Don't ever let the enemy trick you into not believing that you're a blessed person. Some people have rejected God. But their rejection is based on an imposter. Not on the God of the Bible. Some have turned up their noses at God and shook their heads and walked away from a God they really don't know. They think they do. They never gave him a chance. All they had was misinformation from the pop theologians. And all this conjecture and bias is based on incorrect information. I saw this with my own eyes. One of our trips to Israel, our guide told us, he's Jewish. He said, after the Holocaust, where six million Jews were slain, 
He said, our, my forefathers of our family got together and we decided that this is how God was going to treat us. Then we're done with God. So their idea of God was that Adolf Hitler was God's ally. And that the Third Reich was God's army. Some people give up on God because they're not informed. Because they don't see the bigger picture. Because they don't understand how generous he is. The Lord said, Israel, Israel, how I would have gathered you under my wings as a hen would gather her brood. Look at that tender picture. This mother this mother hen wanted to gather all her chicks. I'll protect you. I'll fight for you. I'll provide for you. I'll keep you safe. And then the Lord said, but you would not. The Bible said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Oh, oh, if you knew how God's heart is for you, if you knew how God loves you, if you knew how God is fighting for you right now, if you understood that he's rebuking the devourer right now, if you understood how much he has kept you from and protected you from and delivered you from. You know, the Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ right after the rapture of the church and the church is gathered and we're around the throne and, and we're at the judgment seat of Christ and this is where the rewards are going to be given and we're going to hear the stories of, of people that have given and people that have sacrificed and people that died as martyrs and people who laid their lives down and I want to be there when C.P. Thomas, the Lord calls C.P. Thomas, you've been beaten by the Muslims, you've been beaten by other Christians, You've been beaten by Hindus and you've suffered so much. That's why I love C.P. Thomas. That's why I believe in him. I know what he's given up. I know what he's sacrificed for truth. And he has no sad story. He has no sad story. He called me one day for months. His car was inoperable and I didn't know it. That's the, I've been walking, I'm walking up Himalaya mountain. I give him record baptism at 14,000 feet. CP, how's your car, dude? Oh, no car. I'm walking, Pastor. I'm walking. <laughs> I want to be there at the judgment seat of Christ. But let me tell you something else we're going to hear at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, we're bragging on God. God's going to say, oh, and by the way, on July 21st, 1987, you didn't know it until this moment, but I protected you. I sent an angel. I provided for you. You thought it was this. It wasn't that. It was me. I'm the one that stepped in for you. Can I tell you that if you've got God on your side and if you don't doubt that he loves you and that he's generous and that he's fighting for you, praise God. This is the God that I know. This is the God that I know. I don't know what kind of a God you know. But Paul said, my God shall supply all your need. <laughs> he said, my God shall supply all your need. Some people, all they have is a need. You know anybody that's needy? And Paul said, I have a God. You may have a need, but I have a God. Oh, come on, church. Don't focus on the need. Focus on the God. Don't worry about the need. I have a God. <laughs> Some people give up on the church because of a bad pastor. Well, that's sort of refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> But to hear it spoke of from across the pulpit. Hmm? Don't give up on the church. If I do something stupid. <laughs> it's happened before and it'll happen again. Don't give up on the church. If I forget to wish you happy birthday on your Facebook page. Don't give up on the church. 
if I walked by you and I didn't shake your hand? That rarely happens, but it might. Don't give up on the church because one of our leaders was stupid. And mismanaged something. Don't give up on the church and throw the church away and then throw God away. Jesus said the poor are always going to be there. There's always going to be poor examples and, and poor followers and poor people in, that are poor in obedience and poor in submission. They're all going to be there. But you've got you to gotta get blinders on your eyes. And, and, you, and you've got to make sure that you don't make the church about the pastor. And you don't make the church about people. And don't make it, amen, make it all about Jesus. And, and you'll be okay. Make it all about Jesus. And you'll survive it. You'll come through it because he's generous and he loves you and he's fighting for you and he suffered and he bled and he died for you. <laughs> oh, don't give up on God until you get a full orbed imagery of God. Woo. Man, I'm preaching today. I'm going to take notes on myself right now. <laughs> if you're a guest, you know, they all know I didn't mean that. The famed preacher of the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards, gave a famous sermon entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But now... For the wounded, the hurt, the disappointed, the angry, the offended. Jesus said in the last days, many will be offended. This is what we're dealing with is a spirit of offense. Man, guard your spirit. Don't get offended. It's not worth it. Offense turns to bitterness. Bitterness is an acid that destroys its own container. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. But now, God is in the hands of angry sinners. People who've rejected God, and they don't have a clue. They're rejecting a, a pseudo-God of their own imagination. What they're really rejecting is religion. We sort of handled that last week when the religious get saved. When they reject God, they're really rejecting cold, hard, corrupt, dark, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, dysfunctional, carnal, man-made religion. They're not rejecting God for who he really is. They're rejecting God for who he isn't. By the way, I see Philip Talbot did you see the Talbots come in today? The oldest girl and then the boy. What's their names? Judah and Amelia. They come in hopping. Why wouldn't they? They got twins. They got little twins at the house. They came in worshiping. I hope they're doing that when they're 40 years old. Praise God. Come in worshiping. <laughs> I was glad. Why can David say I was glad? Because I know the God that I've gathered together to worship him in his house. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because the house of that Lord is a good Lord. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's a generous God. I'm going to that house. Uh, don't reject God for who he is. Go ahead and reject him for who he isn't. But don't reject him for who he is. Amen. There's something in number six that is called the priestly blessing. The rabbis say this was the very best expression that God could come up with to make toward his people. 
priest would stand in front of the congregation and he would stand in the stead of God in the Old Testament. He was the closest thing that they would ever see or feel to God. And he would say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the rabbis say that when the priest would declare that, that something would come over the people. Something would fall upon the people. And, and the rabbis say that, that that was the closest thing in the Old Testament that God could give to the Holy Spirit being poured out. He couldn't pour out the Holy Spirit yet. But it was the priestly blessing. And Jesus Christ, Hebrew says, is our high priest. He is our high priest. And he is the blesser of the Holy Spirit. Peter said that on the day of Pentecost. He said, you want to know who's given this Holy Spirit? These people that are speaking in tongues. He said, Jesus Christ has given this thing that you both hear it and you see it. But in the Old Testament, just the priest would stand in the stead of God. So, just for fun, I'm going to take a little risk right now. And I would like to try to translate the priestly blessing into emoji language. <laughs> Just so you can see how real. Are you ready? You didn't know I spoke emoji, did you? <laughs> the Lord bless you is a smiley face with smiling eyes. And I might add a little Vulcan salute and praise hands and a fist bump. The Lord keep you is a hugging face with a flexed bicep. The Lord make his face to shine upon you is a sun with a face and a face blowing kisses. The Lord be gracious unto you is a winking face and a thumbs up. The Lord turn his face toward you is a smiling face with heart-shaped eyes. And the Lord give you peace is a party popper, a hand clap, a confetti burst, a cupcake, and throw in some fireworks. Come on. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Come on, that's the kind of a God. That's the kind of a God. Oh, that's the kind of a God we serve. Everybody all right? So as I bring the message to a close, I want to ask you today. Have you created a culture of generosity? In your relationship with God. Because you decide. If it's going to be a culture of. Stinginess. Frugality. You know back in the day when people used to write checks for their tithe. I don't know if anybody still does that. But. I would. Maybe. Once in a while I would see a check. And it was a tithe check. And it was for twelve dollars and. 37 cents. I'm like, dude. What? Yeah, at least round it up to 38. You know, a nice even number. I'm like, what? That must have been a CPA. No offense to any CPAs. I can't do that. Huh? You decide. We decide the culture we create. Lord said, if you're cheap with me. Where we are today in life, no matter where it is, is an aggregate result of every decision we've ever made. And it's dropped us off right where we are. Right now. I had... Someone moved into town years ago, probably 30 years ago. 
and uh, they were in college here in town and they said to me one day, took me aside, said, you know, pastor, my entry level job, I'll be paid $200,000 a year. I said, oh, that's great, awesome. I said, as soon as I graduate, that's my entry level job, 200 grand a year. I said, man, that's awesome. He says, I can't wait to give $20,000 to the church. Well, my mind was thinking, well, no, you didn't give that. that. That's the Lord's. That's not even a sacrifice. That's the tithe. That's the Lord said, that's mine. Really, it's all mine, but let's enter into a covenant. You cheap with God? I want to ask you a question. If I printed off your giving record to the Life Church today, would your name even show up? I've been surprised and I don't I can't even remember the last time I checked anything once in a while I'll check something especially if we need somebody in leadership I can guarantee you that there's not a leader in this church that doesn't give to the Lord we have to model the behavior we want to see reproduced in others and it's my job to hold people accountable you decide I decide I told him, I said, no, I don't, think you'll, I don't think you'll do it. I don't think you'll do it. He sort of looked at me like he was sort of offended. He goes, oh, what do you mean? I'll, yeah, if I got $200,000, i will be happy to give twenty. I said, no, I don't think so. He said, why would you say that? I said, because you're not faithful today. <laughs> Giving is not waiting for your ship to come in. Giving is not a income issue it's an obedience issue start where you are right now i'm indebted to my dad at my lousy job as a busboy at a steakhouse with my uniform on and my goofy you know steak and shake kind of hat and bussing tables i was the best busser they ever had and now for my next magical trick i was good Waitresses loved me because I watched. I kept their tables clean so they could get a new customer in there. And boy, sometimes I'd walk home with about three dollars a quarters in my pocket, feeling rich and uh, making a buck sixty-two an hour. And my dad said, "Son, if you learn how to give at a dollar sixty-two an hour, here's what he said: money is the easiest thing for God." to give anybody I said what do you mean dad he said he owns the cattle on a thousand hills my God is rich he's generous so we decide the culture some people have the attitude that Jesus told the story of the talents in Matthew 25 and you know what's interesting Matthew 24 and 25 is Jesus discourse on the end of the world and right in the middle of this thing on the end of the world the last days he said oh and by the way there was a man who gave one man five and one man two and one man one talent and the man with five invested and earned another five the man with two invested and earned another two they doubled their investment the man with one he went and hid it why because the men with five and two had an abundance mentality the man with one had a scarcity mentality he, it was just good enough for him to break even. Can I tell you something? If you're a child of God, God doesn't want you to break even. He wants you to come out ahead. He wants you to come out on top. He wants you to be blessed. Let me tell you something. If God, the scarcity mentality would have never given five loaves and two fish in his lunch that day. Well, if I get my lunch away, what am I going to do? It's like Anna and Justin had Cohen come over. They'd already given him dinner, and we eat later than they do. And Cohen came over, and he sat down in the high chair. And this is about a year ago, and he's just sitting there. And we had to make sure he was taken care of, but he'd already eaten. And so we all get our food. He goes, but where's my food? <laughs> Kid just got up from the dinner table. <laughs> Sorry for the grandpa story. Some people think, well, if Pastor Nathan gets blessed, then that's one less blessing for me. 
I give away my loaves and fishes and I'm not going to have lunch. The little boy didn't have a scarcity mentality. He had an abundance mentality. His lunch ended up feeding everybody. You know what a scarcity mentality is? It's communism. If you have something, then I can't have something. If I have something, then you can't have something. There's only so much. It's like we have a big chocolate cake in here, and, and if you get a piece of cake, then I don't get a piece of cake. That's not how God operates. We don't have one piece of cake. We got a chocolate cake factory. Everybody gets cake. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking to you about today? Everybody gets cake. Everybody gets a piece of cake. You decide if you're going to be generous with God or if you're going to be cheap with God. Amen. Paul said you have to decide in your heart if you're going to be generous and if you want to reap a generous crop or if you want to be stingy and just barely have enough. He said, but if you'll get an abundance mentality, he said, there'll be enough left over that you can give again. There'll be enough left over, not just so that like the widow lady said that me and my son were going to eat and we're going to die. No, no. There'll be, there'll be oil in the cruise and, and meal in the barrel, but that's only until the rain comes. And when the rain comes again, there's going to be an abundance. Would you stand with me? I really want God to manifest his power. If you'll be generous with your praise and your worship, you could walk out of here with a miracle today. Nobody has to lay a hand on you. Nobody has to do anything. That guy that came up Friday night, can I tell you, God is still blessing people from finishing strong. One of our fine men shared with me a few weeks ago that he had an insurmountable uh, tuition debt from college destined for years to pay off. It was forgiven and then other unknown resources to the tune of almost $50,000. He said it really at the end of the day it amounts to about what we gave into finishing strong. I'm going to tell you something. They gave it. They didn't miss it. And God blessed them for it. That's how God works. That's how his kingdom works. Give and it shall be given unto you. The Lord said, press down, shaken together, running over. I will cause men to pour into your lap. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this house today will open up the window of heaven. That window shut until we give. That window is locked until we give. But your word says in Malachi, you have robbed me. I said, Lord, where have we robbed you? And you said, in tithe and offering. Robbing God. No wonder the heavens are shut. But Lord, the tithe and the offering opens the window. Lord, let somebody purpose in their heart today. They want to know a God of generosity, a God of abundance. And open that window and see what you will do. I don't have any commitment cards today. I usually do when I preach an annual message on stewardship. It usually comes in January, a little bit late this year. But I just felt it was time. So, would you close your eyes with me? Just fill out a commitment card in your heart. Say, God, I haven't been faithful, but I'm starting today. I, I, I understand. Or, Lord, I have been faithful, and I'm holding you to it. I'm holding you to it, Lord. I have been faithful, and I'm holding you to your blessings. I prayed that this morning, not for me, but for someone else. 
Why don't you make that commitment in your heart today? Say, God, I'm going to create a culture of generosity. You can't create a culture in a day or even a week, probably not even a month. But over time, you can create a culture of generosity in your life, in your family, in the life church, everything that you're touching. Don't be cheap with God because he's an extravagant, wealthy God beyond your imagination. If there's anybody I want a partnership with today, it's not Warren Buffett or Bezos or Gates. I want a partnership with the generosity of God. Amen. If you have a job or a company, if you earn wages some way, somehow, maybe your income is fixed. I understand that. But just be faithful. Be faithful. I want to just invite anyone today who just really feels like you need to respond in some way. Maybe there's a financial challenge going on. Maybe there really is a need in your life and you're just going to, you know what? You're going to take God at his word and that he is faithful. I want you to come right now and stand with me here at this altar. Or somebody who wants to refresh your commitment to stewardship and just say, Lord, as for me and my house, me and my house, just come on up here. Just come with me. Come and stand with me. Beautiful. Come on. Come on. Some of you are setting the stage for miraculous provisions right now. And when it happens, you need to share it with somebody. You need to tell somebody. Tell me. Tell somebody. Praise God. You know what? We need everybody to open up the window of heaven. If I was a teenager, I'd be listening to this message today. You know what I just heard last couple weeks? There's a rise of Satanism. I've read about it. I've heard others talk about it. There's a rise of Satanism because people want power. People are reaching for power. They want to be blessed. Let me tell you something. Satan's kingdom has been going down for a long time. And it continues to go down. The only kingdom that's on the rise is the kingdom of God. This is the way to power. This is is the way to power. It's partnership with God. Let me ask you a question. If, if, I'll just use Bill Gates. If Bill Gates was standing right here and God is standing right here and I'm going to sign up a partner. God or Bill Gates? He can't even carry God's portfolio. Stop pining after these people. Stop saying, well, I wish I had this and I wish I forget that. That's a loser mentality. Paul said, be thankful for the things that you have because you have been blessed. And if you can't be satisfied and little, you'll never be satisfied with more. So honor the Lord in the first of your increase and bless him and thank him and give him glory for all the things that he has done and all the things that he's given you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody declare. Declare the goodness of God. Somebody open your mouth and declare the blessings. Come on, say, Lord, I'm holding you at your word. I'm opening the windows. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Open the windows of heaven right now. In Jesus' name. I'm opening the windows of heaven. I'm opening the windows of heaven. I'm opening the windows of heaven. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're giving first to you. We're not going to have a scarcity mentality. We're going to have an abundance. And be generous with you, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I take all these commitments in my hands today. If I had all these cards, Lord, I would hold them in my hands today.
Lord, bless the people. Lord, make a way for the people. Lord, you said if we're not faithful with money, how can you commit to our trust the true riches? Lord, these people are being faithful. Lord, commit to their trust true riches. True riches, spiritual blessings. Lord, let backslid kids come back home. Let backslid grandchildren come back home. May the devourer be rebuked. Lord, I pray for every faithful giver that all sickness and disease would be rebuked. Past, present, and future. I hold these commitments in my hand today as the under-shepherd of this church. Oh, Lord, keep us from all manner of disease and sickness. Protect us when we're traveling. Keep us safe from the road ragers and from those that are high and under the influence and irresponsible people. Rebuke the devourer. And may we walk in abundance. May we be faithful, Lord, with what things you've blessed us with. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. I just feel something supernatural happening right now. Amen. I feel like God is manifesting himself right now. This is the word of God. This is the plan of God. This is the purpose of God. In the name of Jesus. 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 I want somebody to have a sense that God is fighting for us. I want you to leave this house knowing that the Lord is on your side because you are on his side. Hallelujah. Let the people rejoice. Let the people give thanksgiving and praise. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.